One. Now, so this is on the record, everyone. Okay. Two. Oh, I just turned this on now so I can hear him. Don't worry, I'm not like clandestinely following you guys around. Three. I'm doing a podcast that's recording. Oh, right. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> oh, so everything I say will be used against me in a court Exactly. <laughs> All right. Four. What's that? I'm recording you. It's off the road. <laughs> Have you all been cooperating with Kiara? She's a big deal now. She has an agent. From the first time I pulled out my recorder for this class, I was always repeating disclaimers like the ones you just heard or answering questions like, Were you just recording us here? Or asking questions like, Can I interview you? Before any actual recordings took place. Mostly because it's one of the rules of journalism, also because it's polite. It's a funny thing to me because some people clam up when they realize they're going to be recorded. Some don't like the sound of their voice and are afraid to hear it played back. Some don't realize how much they say the words um or like and overthink the whole thing. Others still are afraid they'll just blurt out something they didn't mean to. On this trip, there was a little of all of that, but the other thing was this. I was in class with my peers, but at the same time that I was experiencing the same adventure as them, it was also my job to document the whole thing. My story, the podcast you're listening to now, would be based on their stories and how they tackled them. In a sense, I was in our international reporting class, but not of it. As such, it seemed to take a little while for everyone to open up to me. Nevertheless, as they got more comfortable with their stories, life in Panama, and me in the corner with my recorder, they started talking. Some people even asked me to interview them because they wanted to be featured. Just for all listeners out there, I asked Kiara every single day of the trip when I was going to be able to be in the podcast. That's one of my classmates, Dara Cooper. She actually asked me multiple times a day if she could be in this podcast. For all the talking that was being done, much of it was pretty straightforward. This is what my story's about. Here's where I'm going. This is the person I'm interviewing. And initially, that made sense. Because the idea was to present this class in a way that purely highlighted its academic-based offerings. Serious yet intriguing, right? I mean... Tony described it in a similar fashion during that first meeting about the class. No fun in the sun and no funny business. I bet you can already guess that's not exactly how things transpired. It was spring break after all. Hi, Kiara Powell here, your guide to Padma. For all the serious work that took place over our week in Panama, there were definitely a number of purely touristy or fun adventures that took place as well. Not to mention a few surprise shenanigans. Those things made this trip what it was as much as any of the interviews, filming, or writing that was done. I got a few members of our class to talk to me about that side of our week abroad. Little did we know that the first complication would happen less than 24 hours after we got to Panama. Our class left Penn State for Panama very early on the Friday morning before spring break. After half a semester of being told that this trip would basically be the most serious one we would ever take, all of us were prepared to work as hard as possible for a week straight. But because our first full day in the country was a Saturday, not many people had interviews scheduled, so most took the time to explore. That was our first inkling that maybe things would be a little more easygoing than we initially thought. 
We split into different groups to do different activities. I was with Alyssa and Kamisha. We decided to be productive and visit a museum related to Kamisha's story. That required a ride on the metro, which we weren't quite sure how to navigate, considering everything was in Spanish. That morning, we would learn three lessons. One, it costs only 35 cents to ride the train, which is like a New York City subway, but way cleaner. Two, Wendy's fast food restaurants in Panama sell fried chicken. And three, caliente means the food is literally hot, as in a hot meal, not hot as in spicy. When we got back to the hotel, we found out that a good number of our classmates had learned something too, where the pool was. Though we had had class together twice a week for half a semester already, most of us didn't really know each other that well. Being all together in Panama was the first time we would be hanging out face-to-face and actually getting to know one another. So in a way, going to the rooftop pool as a group made sense. Some people were there bonding, and others were up there under the guise of getting work done. But not for long. Saturday, after we went exploring around the city, we went up to the pool, and I attempted to be productive, so I brought my laptop and my phone, and then that failed after, like, five minutes. That's my classmate, Gabby Santa So I just had my phone, and it was too hot, so I wrapped it up in my towel and my shorts, and we were on the other side of the pool. I just left it on the ledge. And then the wind was so strong, and all of a sudden I just saw my bright green shorts and my towel be lifted up, and they dropped into the pool, and I freaked out. I was on the hotel roof when this all happened, but too far away to see much. I just remember a flurry of activity. Dara, however, was right in front of the action. That was probably one of the funniest moments of the trip. So we were in the pool, and I look over, and I see Gabby, like, jump on over to the side of the pool, and her clothes had fell in. So she whips her clothes out, and then she's like, oh my god, my phone. And I look over, I have never seen someone dive that fast into the water. And of course, she has a clear case, so we can't even see the phone. So she's literally trying to find this phone for probably a good 20 seconds. And she finally finds it, like whips it out of the water. And she's like, it works! And then she made the mistake of going to tweet about it. And then it just crashed, and the screen went black. I also plugged it into the charger right when it died, and that's the last thing you should do. I was just, like, in shock and listened to anybody. Listen to Matt. Matt is our classmate I told you about before, who took several traveler's diarrhea pills, thinking they were the typhoid vaccine pills. Maybe not the best advice giver. It's playing to the electricity when there's water in it. That's fine. After that didn't work, Gabby went for the tried and true method of putting it in rice. For 48 hours. Remember, this was the very start of the trip. First time out of the country, and I didn't have a phone for 48 hours, so that was not fun. Um, But then it turned back on, and now it's fine. I just got it for Christmas, so I only had it for, like, what, three months? And I had my old phone in my apartment in State College, and I was like, oh, I should bring this. And I looked at it for, like, five minutes, and I was like, no, I'm not going to need that. While in Panama, our primary form of communication was WhatsApp a messaging application that runs on Wi-Fi. But with no phone... I just, like, sat in the room by myself for a couple hours and used GroupMe on my computer. GroupMe is a group messaging app that's popular on college campuses. In Panama, all of us students had it, but none of the professors. I've never actually met someone in the working world who uses the app. Gabby's parents didn't have it either, so she had to figure out a different way to communicate with them about what had happened. 
I was emailing my parents, and I had my boyfriend slide into my sister's Instagram DMs. That means direct message. To tell her to go on her Facebook. So then she went on her Facebook and saw that I messaged her, and I asked her to tell my parents that I dropped my phone in the pool because I was too afraid to tell them because I knew my dad would not be too happy. And what did Tony think about the whole thing when he found out? You know, it was, it was distressing that you guys went to the swimming pool on your first day there. That wasn't a good sign. Yep, no sympathy. Classic Tony. You're going to think I'm harping on this. I've never had a situation where on the first day the class decided to take a day off and, and go to the swimming pool. That surprised me in an unpleasant way. Dara disagreed. When we started, like, the first day, I, I think we all thought there'd be kind of more structure to being, you know, this is what we're doing this day, and this is what we're doing this day. So I think when we all realized how much freedom we were going to have, it kind of was like, cool, we get to go to the pool for the first day. And I really like that because we all knew that we had a really busy week ahead of us. And it was really nice just to kind of all hang out in the pool and get to know each other. And obviously, we all weren't that close before. Relax, kind of talk about what we were planning on doing for the week. And, I mean, we're on a pool on the rooftop in Panama, so I don't think you could really complain about that. Another classmate of ours, Rachel Johannes, felt the same. We didn't have anything going on in that first day. Like, I knew people who had interviews on Sunday, but no one had anything going on that first day. I mean, I think collectively we didn't feel like there was much that we could do other than just wait for our first interviews and then see where we're going to go from there and just build off that. With such a tumultuous morning, everyone was looking forward to our first actual night out in downtown Panama, students only. We were headed to a restaurant Alfonso, our fixer, had suggested over WhatsApp, and were excited to try actual Panamanian cuisine while hanging out alongside Panamanian locals. We were in a foreign country at night and finally getting to see some of Panama's old town, called Casco Viejo, a place we had seen only on Google earlier in the semester. Traveling with 16 people total, we had to take several taxis to get to our destination, the restaurant Tantalo. The murals, sculptures, and old-style architecture we saw on the way over were amazing. Everyone in the car had something to say. Let me it's see really pretty. Cool. Yeah, it's beautiful. Oh, 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 right here, right? Is this the bar? This is it. Is yeah. it? Oh, yes. You can tell how excited we all were. Yo, I am not ready for this. Hold up. This is like oh, a should have looked better. As we started to get closer to Tantalo, we saw various groups of people in line for bars and restaurants, and some of them had really stepped out. In Panama, people tend to dress a little fancier than we were used to, being college students from the middle of Pennsylvania. But that would turn out to be the least of our worries. If finding enough rides for 16 people hadn't been difficult enough, when we arrived, we learned that it was a boutique, i.e. small, restaurant. So, they had to push several tables together to make room for us. Then there was the language barrier, which we were probably a little naive not to expect. That is 16 college students that about, I think, three of us speak Spanish. That's one of my classmates, Kayla Fish. She's one of the three that speaks Spanish. To our disbelief, when we get to Panama, not a lot of people speak English that we assumed would speak English. So going out was kind of difficult sometimes, especially when you have a group of 16 people who don't speak Spanish, and a waiter who only speaks Spanish. So I got to be a translator. She's not exaggerating. All 15 of us had to give her our orders, drinks and food, 
to confirm with the waiter. Even after dinner, when our group was in disagreement with the restaurant over the tip, it was Kayla alone who had to figure out the situation. She would end up handling our language problems not only that night, but many other times during the week. But she took it all in stride. Being able to speak Spanish, I got to speak to a lot of Panamanian people. So that was a really great experience while I was there. And I think that was a very unique experience for someone who, I mean, like I'm from Shawnee, Pennsylvania. Like I'm not from some big city where there's a lot of Spanish speaking people. I came to Penn State and decided to be a Spanish major while studying here. So it was kind of like I got to connect with Panamanian people on a different level than a lot of other people in the program did because they couldn't speak their language. So we were joking around with the taxi drivers, stuff like that. Like, I don't know. It was just fun. Language problems aside, everyone seemed to really enjoy that first dinner. The food was good, the drinks were good, the drinking age in Panama is 18, by the way, and the company was even better. So after dinner, we went up to the rooftop bar to continue our night. It was so much fun. That's Rachel again. We hung out and you could see like part of the Panama City skyline and they played really awesome Latin music and we danced and it was a really good introduction to like feeling more comfortable in the country and in the city and there wasn't much of a barrier between us and the locals so we didn't feel as touristy as more just learning about the country and a little bit more about like how to have fun in it. Two things that helped us learn how to have fun that night, Panamanian style, were our surprise visitors. One minute, we were all talking and dancing with one another. And the next... Alfonso showed up, which we were not expecting. And no, then he brought, not at all. And then he brought Jacob. Jacob with him. Too. Jacob was one of Alfonso's friends and business partners that also helped us with our stories. They had given us recommendations of places to go because obviously we had never been there. But then they showed up. <laughs> and that was really cool because they got to bond with us. Obviously, they helped us all with our stories, but we got to know them and they kind of showed us a little taste of Panama, I guess you would say. Seeing the off-duty side of the two of them, Alfonso especially, was really cool. They pointed out buildings on the skyline, told us the best drinks to get, and other places to visit downtown that were popular with young locals. That was one of the most memorable instances of the much-talked-about Panamanian hospitality that we got to experience during our time there. We thought that we'd only see Alfonso during the day, He'd help us with our stories, and that would be that. But he really took the time to show us all the aspects of Panamanian life. As someone who was only a few years older than us, and knew so many people in so many different parts of the country, he was the perfect host. When going to a new city, there's nothing better. In episode two, you met my classmate, Alana Richardson, who went to Barro, Colorado Island to get footage for her story about Panama's biodiversity. She was focusing on the work done by the Smithsonian Tropical Research Institute, or STRI. Before she ever went out there, she would end up interviewing the director of STRI, Dr. Matt Larson. Another student in our class, Michelle Wolf, would also end up interviewing Dr. Larson about her story on the canal watershed in Panama. Now. Before this interview ever took place, Tony had emailed me, Alana, Michelle, and another one of our classmates, Amanda Schmidt. He told us that Dr. Larson had extended an invitation to the four of us and our professors to have dinner at his home following the interviews. I was delighted to be invited because after seeing so many different types of living spaces in Panama, from the condos in Panama City 
to the squat houses in the town of San Miguel near Caluyala, to the beautiful historic homes in Casco Viejo. The idea of actually getting to see inside of one was just too cool. It was a beautiful day, just like pretty much every other during our time in Panama, which was a good thing, because Dr. Larson informed us we'd be walking back to his place, not driving. As someone who repeats the same route every day, he walked with a sense of purpose, totally unaffected by anything happening around him. Meanwhile, we were walking through places and there's like traffic everywhere. We're walking between cars. That's Kayla again. We were actually walking in the road at some points before entering the same market Alyssa, Kamisha, and I had visited days earlier. We walked down Cinco de Mayo, Calle Cinco de Mayo, I believe. The like busy, like bustling shops outside and people playing music and like you hear people talking and all this stuff. That was really cool because we knew where we were going. Like obviously we weren't like wandering around so we could actually enjoy and like take in what was around us. We were probably enjoying it a bit too much as Dr. Larson was full speed ahead while the rest of us couldn't stop staring at everything we saw. We probably looked like straight up tourists. Oh yeah. We definitely looked like tourists because we were all like big wide-eyed and like staring at people buying fruit on the sidewalk and they're like, hi, can I help you? But no, that was really cool. And like, he was just, he was so casual. Cause like, this is his walk home every day. And we had no idea, I, I had no idea where we were going. I had no idea where we were was close enough to his apartment. Another thing Kayla had no idea about was the fact that this little expedition was even supposed to take place. She just happened to be in the right place at the right time. And you didn't even know that we were going. Oh, I had no idea. All I, Well, because I was helping carrying tripods. And I had no idea anyone had gotten some email or was invited to this. I had no idea. I was like, oh, I'm just going to help because if you have to carry the camera bag and the tripod by yourself, that's torture. So I was like, oh, yeah, I'll help because I have free hands. I'm not doing anything. And Tony stopped me as I walked out of the door. He's like, well, where are you going? Kayla explained she was just helping carry the tripods. He's like, oh, okay. So I walked upstairs and I was like, oh, I'll just help set up the shot. And I was like, okay, fine. Like, I'll sit through the interviews and like listen to whatever they're talking about because it's not my story, it's someone else's. And then when we were done, we packed up all the stuff and went back downstairs and there's no one there. It's just Tony and like everyone's waiting. By everyone, she means the other professors and our classmate, Amanda. And Dr. Larson came over and said, what kind of pizza do you like? And I was like, this is a very odd question, but uh, plain? Why did he ask us about pizza? The rest of us explained we were having dinner at Dr. Larson's apartment. What? How? I was like, just us? They're like, yeah. Were you not in the email? No. No. <laughs> was not on any email. No emails. I was like, oh, all right. Cool. I was like, I guess I just lucked into this. No one had any idea that I was coming. I was yeah. like, I just, I just stumbled into this, and it was awesome. It was like one of the coolest things that we did while we were there. So we dodged traffic, walked through the market, then through some rundown-looking and obviously decades-old buildings. But the farther we continue to walk, the nicer the houses seem to get, until they look like something straight out of an island getaway luxury housing magazine. The whole time, Dr. Larson is explaining, albeit quickly, the history of what we're looking at, or fun facts, or saying hello to someone he knows. Eventually, we end up passing this absolutely beautiful church, and we see a little courtyard overlooking the ocean. I distinctly remember turning the corner and seeing a three-story pink stucco villa. Its two balconies were overflowing with lush plants of all different types and colors, and all of us just had to snap a picture of it before we continued our walk. Of course, it was right at that moment that Dr. Larson walked ahead and opened the front door, 
Our jaws dropped. We had arrived. I was not expecting this man to like live in front of like a villa Literally, on the ocean. Literally, on the ocean that also overlooks the Panamanian skyline. This the Panama City skyline. Like, how incredible is that? You're far enough away from the city, and you don't hear like the cars beeping and stuff because you're in the like old historic part. You hear the waves like crashing on the beach and then all that stuff, but like you get to see the entire skyline. Like, how cool is that? You're a doctor. Like, in charge of the only Smithsonian that's not in Washington, D.C. You have a beautiful apartment. Just, just literally soaking in life. That's like paradise. It really was. When we entered Dr. Larson's home, there was so much Panamanian art around and dark wooden furniture. And the beautiful flower-covered balcony we had seen from the front actually continued around the corner, providing a nearly wraparound view. When we all finally stopped gawking at the sunset and sat down to eat our pizza, we found out it was not your average pie. I I firmly believe, although I did not ask, I firmly believe there was squid on that pizza because it was salty and it tasted like the sea. Kayla told me she is not a fan of seafood at all. So when she bit into that slice, she was taken aback. I remember having that slice of pizza next to you, and I hadn't even bit it yet. And you were like, this is squid. This is squid. And I was like, I thought, what? <laughs> I don't know what I thought it was. I thought it was like eggplant or something. or like Because it was like a dark brown. Yeah, it's like, like, ooh, this is, this is going to be delicious. Like, yeah, Panamanian food. Bit into squid. And I was like, no. Um, no. That's just, that's just a, like a piece of an animal from the sea smacked on like, top of literally, some dough and cheese. You know how they drag, like, eat through breadcrumbs? Yeah. They had dragged this squid through, like, salt. Salt. They really dipped it in the sea and then threw it on the plate. Now, to be fair, Dr. Larson did buy other flavors, like one with peppers and onions, for instance. But none of them were exactly plain cheese, which is my go-to. But as they say, when in Rome, regardless of how we felt about the pizza, it was still one of the most amazing meals I've ever had in terms of atmosphere. As I ate side-by-side with these women I had fast become friends with over the past few days, on the balcony of one of the most beautiful homes I'd seen in Panama, overlooking the ocean and skyline as a sunset on another day of our trip, I thought back to when I applied for this class and realized, not for the first time, how lucky I was that the reality of our experience was truly better than anything I could have ever imagined. As previously explained, when Panama emerged from the ocean to link what would become North and South America, it split the sea that separated them. So today, to the left of the country is the Pacific Ocean, and to the right is the Caribbean Sea. The water on the left is more brown than blue on certain days, and the sand it crashes onto tends to be littered with rocks. The water on the right is so clear that you can see through it, and the powdery sand is a dream to walk through. A screensaver come to life, if you will. As everyone knows, it's not spring break without the beach. Can you guess which one our class visited on our last full day in Panama? While the more aesthetically pleasing option would have made for better pictures to post online, the shortest distance from our hotel to a beach on the Caribbean side of the country was about two hours. The shortest distance to a beach on the Pacific side was 20 minutes. In the interest of maximizing our time, we opted for function over beauty. I wouldn't quite say a beach is a beach is a beach, but this one definitely worked out. 
The beach was really fun because we all had to work for the whole week, and it was nice just to have that last day to relax because, you know, it's not a vacation when we're there. That's Dara again. People think, you know, you're going to Panama, you get to relax. We definitely did relax, but it was pretty much, you know, waking up at 7 o'clock every single morning, staying out late because we were doing stuff with our stories or just, you know, getting dinner late. And I think the beach was just a great way for us all to relax and just kind of know that we were done. You know, we're leaving tomorrow, so we had one last day, and we all just hung out. Not everyone in our group had time to go to the beach, as some were still working on their stories. But a good number of us did. Arriving in waves, in separate cars, we took over a section of the narrow beach that had several hammocks. The beach was, wow, okay, so it was so much fun for being 20 minutes away from the city. That's my classmate Rachel again. Like Dara, she saw the beach trip as the perfect book ending to our time in Panama. It just was a really good kind of day off from just the whole week of just like madness and stories and working and you know stressing about things and then all of a sudden we're just like we have nothing more to worry about so we're gonna lay on a beach and just hang out all day. When she says all day she really means it. Though the people I had traveled to the beach with had done some work in the morning and arrived later Rachel had gone straight from the hotel room to the water. Oh my gosh I was there for like nine hours. What does one do for nine hours at the beach? We ordered food and drinks and we were sitting in the water and it was probably one of my favorite times in Panama because we all got to hang out. We you know we all had become really close. There was like this specific restaurant we stayed at that had like beautiful plates of food and appetizers. There was like mussels and french fries and I had ceviche. Ceviche is a super popular dish throughout Panama and other countries in South America. Its exact ingredient list varies from place to place, but generally includes cut up cubes of fish, with onion, lemon juice, celery, and cilantro. When Panamanian Penn State professor Felicia Preciado came to visit our class before the trip, she told us to try it. When we asked Alfonso something we should definitely eat, he told us to try it. By all accounts, we had to have it. It did not disappoint. Oh, that ceviche on the beach was awesome. Like, we kept saying we wanted ceviche, and when I saw they had it there for like $5, I was like, what a bargain. And we got it, and we were sitting on the beach with the drinks in our hand and eating it. It was probably one of the highlights. For such a cheap meal, we certainly got more than our money's worth. The ceviche came in a glass bowl with a side of plantain chips, all placed on a wooden serving board. Very aesthetically pleasing. It was awesome. Really, really good. For all intents and purposes, we had actually gotten our bona fide spring break time out of a trip where we kind of expected to be working every minute. For Rachel and the rest of us, it was enough. It was absolutely all I needed. It was just nice, and you just felt, like, loose and free just to enjoy what Panama had to offer you for its last day, and it was absolutely perfect to kind of do after working on stories. But for most of us, like, that's something we're committed to doing, and so we signed up for the class. We knew what we were getting into. I honestly didn't think it'd be as lenient as the week was for me. I thought it would be more intensive and more work, but it was a really good balance of enjoying a country, getting my story in the class, and enjoying myself and having fun within that country. So, we've been to the jungle, to the beach, and back again all while working hard and having fun. We've dealt with heavy camera equipment, lack of sleep, and a slight language barrier. But these were all foreseeable issues before we ever left. 
ones with pretty straightforward solutions. So what about the problems we didn't see coming? When you go to another country, you never expect it to happen to you, but you're always prepared for the worst. There's always that opportunity for you to kind of get sick when you're in a different country, especially since your body isn't necessarily adapted to it. Alana would find out firsthand what it's like to be sick while abroad, but she wouldn't be the only one. Find out how a few of my classmates' worst fears for this trip came true, next time on Padma.